If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? Today on Through the Lens, we will get to the bottom of who is El Rata Alada. Excuse me, La Rata Alada. Mm. Davis, that was excellent. This ain't ain't over yet. In Gotham, we'll find out and figure out all the Riddler's clues. Of course, today we'll be receiving, reviewing, and discussing the newest comic book movie from director Matt Reeves, The Batman. But first, riddle me this. An answer is necessary to know our favorite part of the show. What is black and white and red all over? I don't know, Davis. The news. Paper. But the news. Wow. Davis, that that was your best ever. I feel bad for interrupting, but I think it adds to the fact that I don't think anybody anticipated it being going as long as that. And also, that was spectacular, Davis. Truly an amazing intro. That's right, guys. You guessed it. We're talking about the Batman from director Matt Reeves. But of course, first, as always, we start with our news. And first, we start with our trivia question from many, not many weeks ago, but our latest episode, the Jackass movie, the Jackass movies, excuse me. The question was, what 1982 Spielberg hit made more than $482 million at the box (laughs) office? E.T. Well, what is E.T.? Yes, there you go. The full answer is, what is E.T., the extraterrestrial? Let's not forget the oh, full movie title. Would I get that? In, would they give me it in Jeopardy? Yes, they okay. would. They, they absolutely would, but I just wanted to clarify. But Oof. yes, that's right. E.T. is the movie that made $482 million. It was Spielberg's second or third big movies after Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we'll be having another trivia question at the end of today's episode, so stick around. I want to know what it is now. Well, you're going to have to wait, Let Davis. Me read it. No, you know. It's, it's going to be a surprise, Davis. I'm reading it right surprised. now. It says, who plays Batman in the newest Batman? Rob Bat Battinson? Rob Bat Batten Bat. Oh, Batten Bat. It's, shout it, out to Mr. It, Sunday Movies on that one. Is it, uh, yes, of course. Got to shout out the Weekly Plan at least once uh, a week for them. But yeah. That's our trivia question. We got a lot of news co- coming up, and then we'll be discussing the Batman. And just the Batman, we'll be discussing other Batman films next week. Going to be an exciting two week stretch for us. But first of all, Davis, what did we watch over spring break? What are some of the things you watch? I know you were in Tampa for the SEC yeah. tournament. Rest in peace to Auburn's SEC title hopes. But other than that, we were watching a things? lot of Seinfeld, for one. Mm. Uh, we Jack watched 21 while I was asleep. Oh yeah, I fell asleep and he watched half of that, and I started talking in my sleep. He thought I was making comments about Kevin Spacey, and I I didn't know I talked in my sleep, but <laughs> apparently I do. Apparently you do. I was mumbling. He thought I was making a comment about Kevin Spacey on the screen or something. Oh lord! But we watched Batman Begins. Uh, I'll save my my thoughts for the next episode on that. Fair enough. Fair nice enough. code. <laughs> uh, we watched The Dark Knight, which I fell asleep during. <laughs> I was very tired. Okay, fair, fair, fair. And then we also watched Django Unchained. Ooh, a good stretch, Davis. Yeah. Good movies, good choices. Uh, Didn't have much to do after Auburn lost. Yeah, that's understandable. We went to some Cuban food. Oh, very nice, very nice. Uh, for me, I finished his net. I finished, excuse me, Netflix's The Last Kingdom, which is a political drama and Viking action series that's been running for five seasons. This was its series finale before it's going to be doing a movie later this year. 
I really, really like that movie. I know you're going you're to say it's strange calling it a political drama because when people think political drama, they think West Wing, rightfully so. But a lot of behind the scenes, you know, moving, 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 huh? moving the chessboard type, chessboard type situations where you know, inputting a king here and there and trying to strategically place your armies and your soldiers. I really like that, and this show does it very, very well. It's one of my favorite shows that I've ever watched. Fun fact: I watched the first four seasons, which was forty episodes in three days. It was a good time. My goodness, I mean, it was a good time. Let me tell you that much right now. Uh, and then I also saw. The first five episodes of The Boys Presents Diabolical, which is the new cartoon series on Amazon, inspired by The Boys, and much like that Star Wars anime series that went on, where it was like each episode was a different homage to a different type of animation style, this did the same. We had homages to Tom and Jerry, Rick and Morty, anime itself, and... I watched the first five episodes. First four were really good. The fifth one was really bad, and I haven't continued it since. And the fifth one, um, somebody you you have not seen the boys, so you won't necessarily understand this, but somebody gets superpowers, and what becomes superpowered is their poop. Mm. Yeah, it was it was bad. Hilarious. I, I really didn't didn't enjoy that. But the first four episodes were excellent, and it's very interesting to see the different animation styles and how they're created. And then I also went to the Crescent Theater in downtown Mobile and saw Family Squares which was a movie about a family dealing with the passing of their grandmother all entirely over Zoom during the pandemic. Oof. And it was actually really, really good. I was a little nervous because, you know... I was, ha- about to, I was about to make a joke about the name of the movie. Oh, dear. I was going to be the... You remember the uh, Celebrity Squares, the game show? Yes, I do, actually. It wasn't called that, was it? What was it called? Were they in each of the different squares? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Whatever. I know what you mean, though. But yeah, it was actually a really good movie, and I really like going to the Crescent Theater in downtown Mobile. I don't know if you've ever been, Davis, but it's... I saw Yesterday there. Really? I've se- I saw Godzilla Thumbs down there. on that movie. Oh, thumbs down on that movie for Davis. I saw Godzilla, and let me tell you, that was the loudest movie I've ever seen in my life. It was excellent, I've though. I've seen I- two movies at the Crescent, but I don't remember what the other one was. It's, Maybe it's- Rocket Man? Ooh, yeah, Maybe. yeah. I, I think Rocketman was there. It's it's always a great time at the Crescent. I really enjoy going there as as much as I can. And my uh, my grandfather, who just moved to Mobile, actually, he goes there like for every movie. He just talks with the get with the owner all the time. That's cool. Good friends, apparently. But yeah, I saw that movie. It's really good. Check it out if you can. I think it's. I think you'd really enjoy it. But anyway, that's it for the. And speaking of the boys. Oh, sp- speaking of the boys, that's exactly right, Davis. That's it for our what we watched the, over spring break. So now onto the news. The boys released the trailer for season three. Davis, you've never watched it, but I've spent many an episodes here in the studio yeah, on Through the Lens talking about the boys. I do know something about the boys. I, something, I know some news about the boys. Ah, what do you the got? The guy that plays Homelander or whatever got arrested. Yeah. And he apparently, the quote, people were talking about this quote he said, and it sounded just like something he would his character would say. Oh, I did not diabolical. see that. Diabolical. I did not see that. Um, uh, I'll look into it. Oh, dear. Well, make sure it's appropriate to say on the air, because Homelander wouldn't say most things very appropriately. But the Boys Season 3 trailer was released. The third season will be releasing in June on Amazon, and a lot of things to take away. One, Billy Butcher, played by Carl Urban, seemingly has powers in this trailer. Whoa, where's that going to go? I'm very much looking forward to how that plot will unfold. And also Jensen Ackles from Supernatural fame will be playing the new character. Almost Captain America. But do you know what his name is? No. Soldier Boy. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that as well. And there's a lot to explore. I really, really like this show, Davis, and I think you would like it as well. Look past the gratuitous violence and the grotesque nature of the show, and it actually is an excellent, excellent show with a lot of different plots, very cohesive story with a lot of characters that you fall in love with and want to keep track of throughout the throughout the series, and it has done an excellent job. And season three looks like it's going to be the best one yet. Davis, you got your quote. So the guy he was in a bar, 
uh, and he said, after he like got in a fight, he said, you don't know who you've messed with. You don't know who I am and what you've done. You've committed the mistake of your life. I'm going to look for you. I want to kill you. Allegedly um, said that. Um... <laughs> Uh, I just report. I'm just reporting the news. Hey man, method acting's crazy. <laughs> I'm just reporting the news. Over he's here. he's just living and breathing the character, Davis. That must be it. Um, yeah, that's concerning. But yeah, uh, that's the boys season three. Anyway, on to new he, news. It's just it, maybe it's just a marketing campaign. Oh it's lord, not, not. yeah, definitely not, definitely not. But on to further uh, developments, Davis. We've got some good stuff right here. Yes, and. The Kenobi trailer, Davis. Did you watch it? I've seen it. You did. I can't say I've watched it, but I've seen it. Oh, you- oh no. We, me, and Chris did watch it because we were debating if the Darth Vader breath was in it. Chris was like, "No, it's not." Was and then, it? yeah, it's at the end. Oh, really? Yeah, like I when it's, it. when the big orchestral thing is just coming, you hear. Excellent. And, and we then Chris get- was like, "Ah." We did get our first a, a quote first look of Darth Vader. It's like, ah, yes, the first look of a character we've been seeing since the seventies, but looks to be in a layer similar to uh honestly what, what the Cloud City fight looked like, to be honest. So I'm looking forward to that. But man, all I gotta say about this this trailer, Davis, we talked about it on our most recent episode, I believe. John Williams coming back in a big way. When Duel of Duel of the Fates hit at the thirty second mark, that was the chills. Dun, dun. That was insane, and I mean that's you know that's why they bring it back. Also, was that a Han Solo tease, Davis? Where did you see um, during the trailer a a Inquisitor is facing down someone with a gun that looks very similar to Han Solo's? If you go that, back, this that wouldn't no that wouldn't, that wouldn't line up because the not? Solo movie is way after that. I'm pretty sure. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure because Solo's like what is he like five years older than Luke? I mean, we Maybe. don't really know how old he is. He's not he's not that much older than Luke, I'd say. Well, true. Maybe like 10 at the most. But I don't I don't think that was Let me I'll well, I'll, I'll I'll pull up the trailer while and you keep I, rumbling. The reason rambling I'm saying rambling. Why do you insult me in this It's in not it wasn't ways, an insult. Davis. It's just for you to buy me time. But the reason I say this is because there's there's something that's a bit unconnected in The New Hope is how does Obi-Wan know to go looking for um Looking for Han Solo, and I mean, sure, they he meets with Chewie, but like, there's got to be some connection. So, what if they interact in the past, and then Obi Wan uses the Force to wipe Han and Chewie's memories of it? Because you know, you can't have a guy knowing the cop Jedi's out. around. I'm just out. saying, I'm just saying. And then again, there's the untied loose end of Solo with Darth Maul, which we know Kenobi and Darth Maul do meet. They met in Rebels later on, so we know that they're gonna have some sort of conflict in the future. Perhaps in this show, but man, I'm really looking forward to this, Davis. You Wait, McGregor which, is which, which, in, which Inquisitor? I'm watching it right now. Okay, so you'll see it. It's very brief, but he faces down, and he has it's just from behind the person, and the gun looks very much like Han Solo's. I'm just oh, saying. I see it. You see it? Mm, I don't think his his didn't have that scope, did it? Let me yeah, see. It did have that scope? Yeah, it did have that scope. Grow I'm up. just saying. I'm, Davis. I'm working on it. Ah, uh, you're working on it. Uh, but then again, why why show that shot? So people like so this would happen. Okay, you know what, Davis. For the guy who's fallen like, into Disney's trap. For the guy who was like, I've seen the leak on Twitter. Can't you just, you know, buy and, into this a bit? Come on. The thing is, so if we had gone based off solely what Marvel had given us, we we uh, well, we this, the we and we only knew what was going to happen <laughs> in that movie because I was I was into the leaks. I knew what was going to happen. Is that right? You should thank me. I should. Oh, should I thank you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you but, went in with knowledge of what was going to happen. Thank you, Davis. Thank you. Thank you, Davis. Thank you. Davis, thank you for game and, day. 
And I want to further thank the people that the security for Marvel <laughs> for being so terrible. Yes. Oh, also the HD version of No Way Home is already leaked. If you saw that. And what 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 about it leaked? The HD version. Oh. Wait. Like the C, the D, the Blu-ray rip is already been leaked. Good lord, how does that happen? These these guys, I can't I can't handle them anymore. But yeah, the Kenobi trailer, I'm looking forward to that. However, a lot of fans are angry about the way the Grand Inquisitor looks, saying he doesn't look like his version Grow of up, Rebels. To which I say, is it really that deep? Here's something for you. Maybe he shouldn't even be in the show. Why is that? Don't get me started. I mean, they hunt Jedi, so it makes sense. It, but is there some lore I don't know about? There, there doesn't. All the Star Wars things now are just they're just reflexive on each other. Mm. Lot, too much connection, too yes, much MCU. Too much, yes. Like I haven't seen Rebels. I don't care about this character. I, I have also get a not new, seen make Rebels. a new Inquisitor, make a cool Inquisitor. Like, oh, this guy from this show that flew with his with his lightsaber, which doesn't make any sense. Blade, he's gonna be here, and people are like, okay, that's what I am. The like. flying with the lightsabers really ruins the lore when you realize that that means General Grievous would have went flying. <laughs> Look, I'm just <laughs> think about. It. He's starting to just. I'm uh, I'm probably not gonna watch this for a while. I, I will absolutely be watching it, but that's because I want to hear what John Williams has to do because you know it's going to be good. And I want to see Hayden Christensen. And that, that brings me to my next point. So with the Kenobi press tour beginning with the trailer, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor have both been giving interviews about this project and their time in Star Wars. McGregor said that the movies, uh, filming the prequels was like going on a play date with your friend. He and Hayden Christian, that 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 warmed my heart a bit. I was like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of funny. He then also mentioned how it was very hard to handle the criticism of the prequels during that time, which totally makes sense. McGregor is the veteran, and they made him look a lot older by the third movie. But he was still a very young actor by Revenge of the Sith. People forget this because they made him look older by getting him grow facial hair and grow out his hair and everything, so he would look noticeably yeah, yeah. older than his cast yeah, member. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sorry, yes, I'm, go, I'm going yes. too much here. But that was something that I don't think a lot of people thought about, and that's certainly something that. People think about Jake Lloyd, but I mean, a lot of these actors were going through it with the vitriol that those movies were received. Prequel with. apologists. I'm, yeah, the, but that, that is the other issue that there's Same a lot of people that do that. Same thing with the Amazing Spider-Man Two apologists that came around after No Way Home. Exactly. The movies I still don't think are Bad good, movies. but the reception that they received Ninja was unfair. Sith, awesome. But the reception is very, very okay. Attack of the Clones, uh, horrible. Uh, However, the re the reception they received and the anger from fans was uncalled for and unnecessary. I think we agree I with agree. that. The agree anger that, that fans act with is just well, we can all agree. The main Spider-Man Two is not good. <laughs> we we should all be able to agree on that one. And also, Christensen gave an interview and gave his thoughts on not being in Rogue One because apparently this is a controversy. I'll get to it in a second. Who cares? Chris Christensen said, I wasn't part of any of those conversations about Rogue One, but I love what they did with it. The character predates me, and it's always been a collective effort in a lot of ways. I thought it was brilliant. But fans are once again outraged on his behalf, even though he gave the all clear. The idea that the Darth Vader character is his own is utterly insane. You know what I mean? Like, at that point, how is it not the guy who worked as Darth Vader in the original trilogy? Whose name I cannot remember, unfortunately. But... Why are people so outraged on his behalf, Davis? Do, do, do you have any, any theory or any idea on this point? Say it again. Why, why are fans so outraged about Hayden Christian not being contacted about Rogue One? I don't reality, think, you, I don't think you want to hear my take. I feel like you should move on. I'm very critical of fans. Well, then be critical, Davis. That's what the podcast is for, isn't it? MCU fans, <laughs> Star Wars fans, I'll even accept DC fans. I'm going to stick with Disney fans overall, though. I, you know what? I I can't even formulate it. What I like, 
the vitriol that I have within me for the people that are getting like who cares? It, are you going to be mad that he wasn't in the a new Ho- or uh, a new hope now? <laughs> I mean, we got to redo it with Aiden Christians. Are you going to be mad that he's not in a in that suit when in reality they probably would do a stand in anyway to make the character look more imposing because Hayden Christensen is not 6'5". Are you mad that James Earl Jones wasn't in the suit? Exactly. Come on, people. Exactly. This uh, OG from the bench fans will remember Davis's original certain fans, I am on your neck rant, yes. which it was a classic in the history of radio. But we're moving on, Davis, but I'm looking forward to this Kenobi series. On to the next bit of news, I Am Legend 2 is in Don't get me started on that. With, with Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan to star. The film will follow the alternate ending of the first movie in which Smith's character, Dr. Robert Neville, survives. So stupid. Davis, your thoughts? Well, it's going to follow the alternate ending. Rather, I'll say this. The ending that did not happen canonically and also was not released to a wide audience. And also... So imagine you're I Am Legend fan. You're like, oh, I loved I Am Legend. It was so good. But I'm so sad that Neville died at the end. You go up, he's there, and you're like, whoa. And then also, more importantly, they found a cure. So what is it? Curing the zombies? And also, they're going to have to open this new movie with the alternate ending. True. Or they're going to have to, like, all the press is gonna have to be like that alternate ending. They're gonna thing is they're gonna have to re Ugh. reshoot the alternate ending because the jump in Will Smith's age, despite the fact that he is ageless, because we know this. I mean, he does look different than two thousand seven. Which, by the way, I saw that movie in theaters when I was six years old. You in a scary Chris, Christmas break. My dad's like, "This will be a great idea." Me and Jackson were crying in the club. It was horrible. Most terrible. That movie gave me nightmares for weeks because there's nothing scarier than zombies that operate in the dark, bro. Like. Dawn of the Dead's easy, there's one around, but this, no, not at all. But clearly, Davis, you have your thoughts on that. I mean It's it's just it's just indicative of Hollywood as a whole right now. I'm open to the idea. I'm not. If it's good. Should it leave the uh uh what's the phrase? Leave well enough alone. Yes. Yes, that's it. Yes, exactly. That is it. And on another note, a movie that we've discussed at length on this podcast before and spent significant time with Josh Wilbur discussing this, casting for Dune Part Two. Rumors are saying that Florence Pugh is in final talks to star, and rumors are that she would likely play Princess Irulan in the sequel. I do not believe she was one of the people we listed to play that character, but I think this is a great choice. I really like Florence Pugh. What are your thoughts? I'm a big Florence Pugh fan, so yeah. I'm looking forward to Dune Part 2 as well. Of course, we'll probably bring Josh back for Part 2. I think that'd be a fun time as well. If we're still alive. Whoa, what, what in the... It's a long time from now. I'm just kidding. It's like a year, anyway. I mean, more or less. I think it's going to be 2023. Hmm. Yeah, because they're going to do every two years. And then according to Deadline, Davis, it's officially been – well, according to Deadline, confirmed. A God of War TV series is in development at Amazon. I've seen all that. How are you feeling about that one? Not a fan. Thumbs down from me. Tom Holland is Kratos? (laughs) That's funny. Uh, I I did (laughs) see – I've been on TikTok, as I I am wont to do. As you you do. Uh, And there was someone that – who was it? They casted him for Kratos, and it was a, I think it was a good casting. Everyone was like, Idris Elba, but he was like this guy, and he looked like identical mm. to Kate Kratos, but I don't... Was I, it was it, was it? it perhaps the man who played the mountain on Game of Thrones, Hafthor Bjornsson? No. Oh. Because Kratos is not white, if you didn't know. Explain. Kratos, like, if you, like he's just, like, you, you're getting a person of color to play Kratos, because Kratos is a person of color. Okay, I mean, I, I did not technically, I mean... 
I, I was just saying based on appearance no, wise. I wasn't thinking he doesn't even look like Kratos anyway. Okay, I was just saying based on appearance and size and stature because prosthetics, prosthetics looks can go like, a long way. Kratos looks like he does because he's covered in ash from his family. That's what remember. it is. You told me that. That's right. Okay, that's what I misunderstood. Okay, that's because I was I was visualizing that in my head. Yes. But yeah, you're, you're that right. Now, would you would you prefer them to? This is pre Kratos, pre pre ashes. Oh, okay, okay. I did not know that. There you go. Thank you for informing me, Davis. Now yeah. we know. So. How would you feel about the changing of the voice, though? Because I know the no. voice actor is iconic. So how do you do it? Though? You gotta. How do you do it? Because he's not wearing a mask, so you can't just dub, dub it. it over. <laughs> but that'll look horrible. It's like that'll okay, look like the let, old Godzilla movies where they dub in English. Let that be funny. Um, my, my mom does a bit with that that I'll have to, I'll have to show you after the break. If I can funny. find the person that they said to cast as Kratos. Well, yeah. Why don't Why don't we move in I, like I, a minute? Okay. Let's yeah. See. We, we can talk about something else. There's a movie uh, that I was going to talk about that you haven't seen. So why don't you go looking and I'll talk about this. How about okay. that? All right. So moving on while Davis goes on the search for that actor or person in general uh, casted for Kratos. The trailer for the film The Bubble came out. And I got to say this movie looks really funny. It reminds me a lot of Don't Look Up. It is directed by Judd Apatow and starring Karen Gillan, Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, and Fred Armisen, among many others. This film is, quote, about a group of actors and actresses stuck inside a pandemic bubble at a hotel that attempt to complete a film, and it will premiere on Netflix on April 1st. I'm really looking forward to this movie. It essentially is satirizing doing a movie during the pandemic and how these actors were held under armed guard at the studio and how they just go insane. I think it looks hilarious, and I really look forward to it. You know, there, we're, we're entering a dangerous territory of how many movies can you make about the pandemic, but I'm totally fine with it as long as it's a good movie. Um, Family Squares was the exact same thing, and I think this uh, could be just as good, in my opinion. Looks to be an enjoyable film. Looking forward to it. I think Judd Apatow, Judd Apatow, excuse me, is a good director. Davis, anything, anything at all? Uh, the first one I saw, someone wanted Triple H as. <laughs> oh look, I mean, is is The Rock not the obvious choice? Oh my God, I get it. I, I, Davis, I get it. I totally get it. But is The Rock not the obvious choice? No, he's not. Then he again, didn't got the acting chops to be Kratos. Okay, well, if we're going to be dubbing it, who has the acting chops? All you got to do is speak. I'm working on fine. Triple H. Triple H. No. No. Someone said Jason Momoa, another bad casting. Well, I mean, who is there out there that looks like him, that can do the role convincingly? Like, I'm telling you, the per- is, I- why don't we just get we, – Davis will keep searching after the episode, and we'll get back to that. How about that, Davis? How about you pause the search now? No, I'm going to find it. I know I liked it. Davis, you got class soon, and we got a lot to discuss, you know. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll figure – I'm going to keep looking. All right, fine. You're going to be listening to those? We're going through this news? No, there's, I was just going to tune you out. Wow. There's a trailer for Deep Water, the film which stars Ben Affleck and Anna Darmus will release on Hulu on March 18th. The synopsis reads as this, quote, A well-to-do husband who allows his wife to have affairs in order to avoid a divorce becomes a prime suspect Suspect, excuse me, in the disappearance of her lovers. Ben Affleck, in my opinion, is underrated, and he and Anna Darmus will be excellent in this film. At least that's what it looks like. This is also apparently the film that started their relationship. I didn't know that. They're dating? They were. Oh. They okay. were. And then they, apparently their chemistry was so palpable on this uh on the set of this film. They started dating afterwards. But then he and Armas broke up and then now he's with J Lo. Yeah. I, do you think Ben Affleck's underrated? I feel like he gets a lot of flack for his early career stuff like Pearl Harbor. God bless that movie for how terrible it may be. But I think lately, you know, Gone Girl, he's pretty good. I like him as Batman. I think overall he's pretty great. I like Ben Affleck. What are your thoughts on this? I'm 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 mixed on Ben Affleck. And what about Anna Darmus? I love Anna Darmus. Yeah, so great in Knives Out. I think she's going to be excellent in this Oh, uh, yeah, movie. she is great 
in Knives Out. She's great in everything. That's true. Anna Darmer's pretty great uh, overall. It. Movie looks really good. Found All right, it. let's see who Found it is, it. Davis. Um, I got everybody's saying like Dave Bautista, Christopher Judge, and this guy's like, hold up. Well, who's he got? All right, Davis is looking. I'm not going to turn it up. I don't, I don't know if okay, I'm going yeah, to do that. Don't, don't do that. But w- once you get a picture, can you like, will you recognize All right, him? All so that's or? Kratos. Yeah, that is, that's that's older version, yeah, or earlier version. Oh, that guy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I cannot tell you his name, but I recognize Adrian that. Holmes. Adrian Holmes. Let's see. I'm Googling as well as you are. Canadian actor. Well, he's 47. Mm-hmm. He's in he's in the New Bel Air. Oh, I think he plays um uncle with the uncle in the New Bel Air show, which is supposed to be decent. Issue is he is five. He's only five ten, so it would have to be a lot of shot. That's the thing is they made they made Michael Clark Duncan look like eight feet that's tall. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Referencing repre- referencing Green Mile. Honestly, Michael Clark Duncan would have been a perfect choice. It's true. Dude was he was six five. I did not know he was that tall. I don't know how how tall is Kratos. I mean, he seems massive in the. In He's the, six six. Okay, yeah. So I mean, oh no, uh, early scripts listed him as six six. A Santa Monica studio dev stated that Kratos is seven six in the comments about six foot four in the game. Okay, yeah, six foot four. I think Dave Batista's a good choice. I don't know about acting chops, but I think he. Look, I think so he looks like, the part. The thing with God of War, right? God of War's awesome. The new, I'm talking about the newest one, by the way. Yeah, the one with his son. Yes. Yes. Spoiler alert. Big for old those. bushy beard in. Right. Well. Yeah. Um, and then he's and he's and then his guys is boy and then the boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like obviously, it's like the part of the game is like killing everything with the axe is awesome, but yeah. like it's it's an emotional game with yes. a great story. You can't just be like, oh yeah, we have God of War, one of the best stories told in video games ever, and they go. Forget that. I'm going to get someone that can't act and just kill things with an axe. True. That's 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 the problem. That's where video games are able to, you know, break through that barrier that movies have because you can digitally make a guy look however you want. But if you pack the right voice actor there, as they did with Boy. God of War, or the right one with the Master Chief, who they somehow get to emote despite the fact you don't see his face, which is a whole other that that's that skill. I don't think will be replicated in the show, unfortunately. But you're, I mean, you're completely right, Davis. That's a very good point. And I think that's something that these producers need to confront. And Amazon needs to take their time with this because you're right. It's, a, it's something that's going to take some time because you've got to find the right person. You've got to make it work. You've got to make it look believable. You've got to do what Green Mile did with Michael Clark Duncan, but you've got to do that the whole show around a guy that's – because the advantage of that movie is that Michael Clark Duncan is not the focus of the Green Mile. He's not the main character. In this, Kratos would be the main character. How do you do that? It's a very good point. But again, we'll be keeping our eyes on that as it continues to develop throughout the year. And last bits of news, Davis, two more things, and then we'll move on to the Batman. Netflix's Marvel series, which left Netflix a short while ago, began streaming on Disney Plus on March 16th. That's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, The Punisher, Luke Cage, The Defenders, and Iron Fist. Again, if you haven't seen Daredevil yet, ladies and gentlemen, I really think you should watch it. Go ahead and watch it if you can, because... It is really um, an amazing, amazing series. And if he's going to show up in future movies, that series is something that really sets up, sets itself apart from the rest of the MCU, and I would greatly recommend that. I think it's a great, great show. And I think if you're looking for MCU content, that's the way to go. So go ahead and check that out if you'd like. And lastly, Dave, it's a bit of tragic news to end 
On this note, William Hurt, known for his roles in Lost in Space and as Thunderbolt Ross and rumored to be Red Hulk in the MCU, has passed away at the age of 71 years old. Again, our thoughts and prayers are with his family during this very difficult time, and I guess you almost keep an eye out for how the MCU carries forward with that character, if at all, and how how it moves on in the future. But again, a bit tragic news. That news broke just yesterday. But now, Davis, are you ready to move on to the Batman? I sure am. Indeed. Um, again, there will be a spoiler warning in effect, obviously. We'll be talking about the cast and crew a bit. Whoa, stop it, Davis. That's a joke. But obviously, spoiler effect for the Batman. If you haven't seen already, pause this episode. Wait till till you've seen it, and then you can come back and listen to it. Because we'll be talking about the cast and crew. There'll be less spoilers. But once we get into it, we're not going to, you know, withhold anything. We're just going to be talking about this film in its entirety. So, of course, this film stars Robert Bat- Rob Bat- Battenbat, you said, right? That is what they call it. Ah, we but just call him Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson I don't want to Bruce steal Wayne their bit. Slash Batman. Zoe Kravitz as Selina Kyle slash Catwoman. Paul Dano as Edward Nashton slash The Riddler. Not Edward Nigma, notably. That's the original. I'm glad it's not Edward the original. The original name of The Riddler in the comics and in video games throughout. Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant James Gordon. John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, awesome. or is it Falcone? It's Falcone, I'm pretty but sure. But they called him Falcone in this movie, I And then Falcone. I guess, I don't know. Peter Sarsgaard as Gil Coulson. That was a surprise, I didn't expect to see him there. Andy Serkis, my man, as Alfred Pennyworth. And then the unrecognizable Colin Farrell as Oswald Oz Cobblepot slash The Penguin. This film was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Craig wrote notably The Town and The Hunger Games Mockingjay films, and Reeves directed. Reeves also previously directed Cloverfield, the found footage hit sci-fi film from 2008, and the final two films in the Planet of the Apes trilogy, Dawn and War. He directed Cloverfield? Yeah, that was his big break, actually, and then he comes on to do Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes. Cloverfield, probably one of the most influential... Found footage film. Absolutely, absolutely. That and the Blair Witch are definitely up there. Super Eight. You love that movie. Great movie. Not a found footage film though, but an excellent movie it's nonetheless. Great, yeah, absolutely love that movie. J.J. Abrams behind that one. But yeah, Matt Reeves then went on to do, and we need to do a Planet of the Apes trilogy episode one of these days because I love those. Robert last Pattinson two movies. said like the only movies he'd want to be in a sequel for would be Planet of the Apes. And what was the other one he said? I can't remember. It's a shame. Probably the Batman. Maybe. No, no. I mean, I'll look into it. Um. Yeah, and then Michael Giacchino with the brilliant score yet again. And I'm going to shout out, this is the first time I've mentioned it in the cast list, Davis, makeup artist Mike Marino, because he deserves his props for that one. Oh, he would like to star in Planet of the Apes sequel or Dune 2? Both good choices. Both by excellent directors. Rob Pattinson's awesome. I do not believe Planet of the Apes will be going anywhere. I think Matt Reeves now, one of his focus will be this, as with stuff that I'll discuss at the very end of this episode. But man, what a trilogy it is. I don't know if you've seen them, Davis. But it really... I don't know how you can care about a CGI ape, but they make you do it. And Andy, Andy Serkis. Serkis. Andy, let me just say this for one second, my little TED Talk moment. Andy Serkis deserves a Lifetime Achievement Award for his work in motion capture work. I'm going to leave that right there. He is the, he is the, he four, is, he is the pioneer in a lot is, of ways. But we'll, we'll talk about that for another episode another time. But yeah, Andy Serkis stars in this because he and Matt Reeves mm-hmm. obviously uh, got really tight and liked working together on the, on the Planet of the Apes trilogy, he comes in as Alfred Pennyworth and is a little different Alfred Pennyworth than we've seen in previous film installments. Alfred Pennyworth in the previous films is more of a nurturing butler. In this, he's a bit more accurate to one of his comic portrayals and the version of Alfred seen in the co- in the TV show Gotham where he is a former Special Forces uh, soldier who ch- actually trained Bruce Wayne to fight and worked more security than 
um, than being your normal butler. And actually, Circus credits uh, is credited with coming up with the idea to add facial scars to emphasize his time in Special Forces and Matt Reeves come up with the cane. But Davis, I mean, first off, let's talk about this movie a bit in terms of its length. It was released on March 4th and has a runtime of two hours and 56 minutes. Is that too long for you, Davis? Nope. No, it is not. Do we? Do we, watched, we watched the Justice League. We did. I, I personally, I don't know about you, Davis, but I do not have a time for me that is the limit. Three and, and a half hours is like, once you get past that, I get kind of, sometimes I have to like pause it, give it a minute. Green Mile, love that movie, but... I do kind of have to pause that. To me, if the movie is good, there is no time limit for me. I've watched Gone with the Wind. I just, I just get, I get antsy if I have to sit one place for too long. I like to get up and pace around. That's understandable. I watched the Snyder Cut in like six different places, like throughout the student center. I was like up there, I went down there, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing, Chick Fil A and everything. And the budget for the film ranged between one hundred and eighty-five million dollars to two hundred million dollars. And so far, the film has already grossed $463.2 million at the global box office. A big hit, especially during the COVID era, and especially as a standalone film. You know, don't, even though it is super film or superhero film, excuse me, don't compare it to Spider Man No Way Home, I would say, because they're both very, very different. If this movie was marketing that Michael Keaton and Christian Bale were in it, then it probably would have made that kind of money, but it didn't. It is Robert Pattinson by himself. It is a standalone. And a lot of the, some of the critics, were treating it like it was supposed to be a Marvel movie, which really bothered me. They're like, "Oh, it wasn't funny. It was too dark." I'm like, "Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the point." Same people said this. So there were similar criticisms for Man of Steel in 2013. Very similar criticisms. Which goodness, I just rolled my eyes. Yeah, really I, I, we, I actually have an, have an address criticism segment at the end that I think we're gonna do because there's two main criticisms that have been coming out about this movie that. All I'm right. gonna tear into, but let, let let's let's get into that. I can't later. wait to hear your personal criticism that you had. Oh, I, I've got a couple. But why don't we talk a bit about this movie, Davis? First off, my big takeaway: the cast is brilliant. Everybody is casted I, perfectly. I said that this might be like arguably each of the characters' best depictions. I on mean, the silver screen. In, in terms, I think there's of, only two that you could argue. In, uh, yeah, I would say in terms of collectively, overall, the cast is great and. Individually, yes. I will say the one exception for me is I am very impartial to Gary Oldman's Jim Gordon. I think he's excellent. I, I really like Gary I Oldman. I liked, uh, who's the actor that plays him in? The- uh, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey I like Wright Jeff- as, Jeffrey Wright's as in The French Dispatch, by the Gordon. way. He's really good in The French Dispatch. Jeffrey Wright's great in a lot of things. He was, he was great in Westworld, actually, uh, for those who saw that. I liked Jeffrey Wright's more. He just, he was like, he wasn't as goofy to me. Interesting. That's a fair point. Well, it is. It is he, like he was goofy tone. in this movie. He kept calling Batman "man." He's like, "Come on, man!" It is. It is certainly a, a darker tone, and also this is Gordon as a lieutenant. He's yeah, not commissioned like yet, him. which I, I like that as well. Why don't we set the stage with the movie first for those okay, who may okay. not know? Uh, this is as a standalone. We are two years into Batman's career as Batman. It is also technically 2021. It is not 2022. You know that because of you see a video of. Thomas Wayne announcing something that is dated in 2001, and then we know it's 20 years later that he died. This like in this film, it's tw- it's 20 year anniversary of his death. So it's 2021. It is in Gotham City. Bruce Wayne has been Batman for two years. He is as Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson came together, called him an insomniac who can't delineate the difference between his time as Batman and his time as Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is a nobody in this. He is entirely Batman. He is all consumed by being the Batman, which is why he has that journal. And we're two years in, he's trying to figure it out. And that is when the Riddler comes to play because we're in the middle of an mayoral election and then we open with a just very terrifying and kind of haunting uh, murder from the Riddler of the mayor of Gotham at that time. 
And two years in, he's trying to figure out it's in Dark Gotham. This is different than any Gotham we've seen. My favorite part about this movie, Davis, is Gotham City. I think this is the best Gotham. This is, so, for those who watch the show, Gotham, because I'm going to reference that a a bit because it's closer to the comics than anything on, on, you know, the silver screen, as you said. Gotham feels alive in this movie unlike anything it ever has before. It feels like a living, breathing organism, which is the hardest thing for comic books to translate to movies is how important the city is to the character. Because DC has that. Their cities are known where Marvel is more, you're in New York City, you're in wherever you are. This, Gotham feels like a living, breathing place. And I think it does it perfectly. I I really don't have any complaints about it. The way that it looks, it looks blown up the the Times Square shot of all the billboards that just looks a bit different than what your modern days. It doesn't look like Tim Burton's where it's totally inflated and absurd, but it doesn't look like just New York. It looks like its own thing, and that's what I love about it, Davis. I think that's the best, one of my favorite things about it in general. And then going from there, what were we talking about before I said let's set the stage? We were talking about just Jim Gordon in general. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I was going to say the other character I think you could argue is better than the other movies is Alfred. Interesting. But I I personally like Andy Serkis' a little bit more. I like this interpretation of Alfred better than just the butler. Yeah. Personally, I, I, I like how he's more confronting of him. I think he is... I really do like Michael Caine's uh, portrayal, but I I like the... This but this Alfred kind of balances so many things. And again, we'll have a more in-depth comparison of movie by movie later on. Because that's that's for next week's episode, but I think right now trying to evaluate this just on a movie, it's very hard not to think about the previous portrayals because this this character is so popular and he's been done so many times in so many different ways. Each character's been done so differently that it's hard not to make those comparisons. But I think overall, I think that that character just works in general. I like the confrontation he has with him. I like that he stands his ground and he makes a lot of side comments about what he thinks of Bruce, and I like that. I think that's a good conflict to have, and it makes sense. But man, just. What a cast. I think everybody's perfectly cast. I really think they hit the nail right on the head. I'm glad Andy Serkis got a chance to showcase himself as a live-action character because I think he does a great job. I really do. And One, got, one oh. scene early in the movie that I think, before we get on to anything else, before, yeah. that I think perfectly, perfectly encapsulates Batman was when it's, he's doing his little monologue. And he's like, fear. And he's like, and then the light turns on, and then all the criminals doing their little crimes see it, and then they, are, they look into the dark. And they're like scared that he's there. Oh my god! That was that was phenomenal. That was the that was like for me the, Just chef, a, I the think chef's kiss moment. This where is, I was like, I feel like it's probably recently biased, but I feel like this is probably the best comic book movie opening. It it is. Then, then there at the subway, he walks out. You hear the footsteps, and then he beats up the guy. He says, "I'm vengeance." The oh great the god. great issue of any movie that follows a character like this is to establish reputation, right? You have to believe that this character is what he says he is. Just like with Gotham, for years people talk about Gotham, much like. For a spoiler for some people in Daredevil, they talk about Hell's Kitchen like it's a its own thing. And it kind of is. It's just a block in New True. York. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. But in, in the show, it kind of is. But the idea is they talk about it. They talk about Gotham forever. That scene was showing awesome. exactly what Gotham awesome. is and exactly what the Batman is. Some people have criticized the film saying it's not the mythical Batman that they want. I think he's building to that. But in terms of building his reputation as the Batman, they nailed it. Yes. I think he is he is striking fear into the hearts of criminals everywhere. And that's kind of the scarier side of Batman is that he does that. As I want to see it symbol. again, just to see that scene. I, I've only seen it one time, and I do I've want to see twice. it again. I saw my parents at a Nexus in Mobile. Very strange experience. We're going to have to talk about that at some point Also, well. another cool thing was that early in the movie, because you see Riddler when he's watching the mayor, like the opening is him watching the mayor through binoculars. I have a question about that, actually. And 
Uh, I'm pretty sure Matt Reeves set it up so it seemed like it could also be Batman. Before, yeah, because we see we see uh, Batman does the same. He looks through binoculars. Yeah, okay. He creeps around like that. So it's set up that you could be like, oh, is Batman doing this? And then I mean, like you kind of know it isn't, but like at the same time, you could. Yeah, you in could, the you back could, of your mind, for maybe people that aren't really big Batman fans, you could be like, oh, is this is this guy doing it? Is this guy we're following the guy that's actually doing this? Yeah, a little red herring for you, but not one that's super effective. Just yeah. cool to have in there. I I like I like that, that as question? well. Um, no, actually, I, I was gonna say because there is a point where Batman used those binoculars, so it's kind of confusing. I can't tell if it's intentionally deceptive yes. or unintentionally. Hundred percent intentionally. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll take I'll take your word for it on that one. And just for what it's worth, I'm gonna be mentioning a lot how this movie feels very ripped out of the pages. It feels like it's a comic book movie. My dad's main criticism actually was that it was too comic booky, which what? is. My my dad's not a big comic book fan, um, and I'm not a big I'm not a comic book reader myself. I'm not gonna, you know, pound my fist on the table and say comic accurate this, comic accurate that. That's not what I'm gonna do. Maybe that devalues my opinion a bit to some people, but that's just not my style. I like the movie for what it is, and I like the characters for what they are, regardless of their comic book connections. I make connections to what I do know about the comics, but I'm not going to get very strict on comic book interpretations and comic book comparisons. Though my mom did think it was very funny how it rained all the time, and I was like, "That's Gotham in the comics." Yeah, that's I that's, think it was cool. It's it's unnatural, but that's the point. This is Gotham. It's why is it different? Because it is. Because I, I had something to say, but that's I don't want to spoil the end of the movie yet. We, okay, we we can keep on. Well, let's let's talk about uh, some of the characters that were introduced to uh, initially. Let's talk about Carmine Falcone, who mm. I love the way he is using this movie. I think the great mastering of Falcone and in any Batman medium, is to use him as a means to introduce the rogues, right? Because Carmine himself is not a major player, except in the Gotham TV series, because that's early on in the career. He's traditionally just a means to set up somebody else and to set up a... He is in The Batman Begins, he is in this as well, and I think it's used perfectly, but I, what do you think about the interweaving of him involved in Batman's origin with Thomas and Martha Wayne's murder? What do you think about that? I think that I was really interesting. I thought Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro, was brilliant. I love Turturro. I love John Turturro. He's excellent. And everything he does. He was, he was like conniving but smooth. Yes. The way he talked, the way he wore those glasses all the time. So, oh, my goodness. So two things about that, actually, Dave. I'm glad you mentioned that. Turturro actually collaborated with his son, Amadeo Turturro, who is an editor at DC Comics. And his father told him about the mafia as a – or wait. And he collaborated with him and Reeves to develop Falcone and his mannerisms. And he was inspired by the warnings his father told him about the mafia as a child growing oh, up in New goodness, York City. Oh, my goodness. That is awesome. He also chose to wear those glasses because Turturro felt that he needed to wear a mask, which I think is an excellent choice. I John think hiding Turturro, behind those to where you can't really see his eyes is brilliant. And John adds Turturro a lot to that is one of the most, un, most underrated actors Absolutely. Ever. For those who have seen The Night Of, that was one of the best portrayals of anybody I've seen. Do the Right excellent. Thing. Oh, Brother Art Thou. He's in The Big Lebowski. He is. And again, in The Night Of is he's one of his better too. performances. Oh, good Lord. I didn't <laughs> know that. Oh, uh, yeah. I think he's excellent. I think the way that he's set up. And again, your thoughts on the origin, him getting involved. I think yeah, it adds it was, a lot. Yeah, I think it, it worked well. I don't. I, feel, some, I feel like some people might say it's forced or something, but I think it's nice that, like, it plays in well into like the Thomas it Wayne. Fe- it feels connected. Thing. I have an issue personally that the the reveal kept going back. It's like, no, this is who killed my parents. No, it was that guy. No, it was this guy. No, okay, it only ca- happened twice. It, it it was it was a lot of up and down. It was a lot of intense reveal just to be saying that's actually not the intense reveal. This is the intense reveal, and it, I, that kind of bothered me a bit. There wasn't a space between that personally. So it felt very like, 
reveal reveal back to back, which I think there could have been some pacing with that that could have been better. But overall, I like the inclusion. I think it ties a lot of things together in Gotham. Fun fact about Amadeo Totoro, he's yeah. one of the kids in Royal Tenenbaums. Whoa. My mom's a big fan of Royal Tenenbaums. She's a big Wes Anderson fan. Um, yeah, I really... That, I think Totoro is excellent. I think Falcone is excellent. I think the way it sets up the criminal underbelly is amazing. And Davis, I want to talk about it. You said let's not spoil it, but why don't we just jump around here and talk about some of our favorite things. Overall, my favorite thing about this movie, Davis, is the character development of the Batman. Not so much Bruce Wayne. I think we're waiting for the second film to see if Bruce Wayne gets that development. Because my issue with Bruce Wayne is he's such a recluse in this, not the traditional using Bruce Wayne as a mask for Batman. I look forward to seeing if they expand upon that in the second film. But the character development of Batman, and I'm going to tell you two scenes. Let's remember that first scene. It was iconic in the trailer when he said, who are you supposed to be? He says, I'm vengeance, and after then annihilates the, this guy. No, after he after, beats yeah. the mess out of him, he says, He puts him in a I'm coma vengeance. and says, by the way, I'm vengeance. Oh, my gosh. Um, and all, the, all that action is great. The fight choreography is amazing. I think it's- He gets hit He does. He too, does. He's not cool. perfect. He gets shot. He's not, he's not perfect. He does. That he does. scene where he's walking through the dark and it's only lit by the muzzle flashes was practical, if you've seen that. It was like, they weren't actually shooting him, but those were real muzzle flashes. Wow. So like they, they like put him on the suit and like had them go off? Because that's how they've done it in the past. Uh- or do you, do you mean muscles at the gun or like, like coming on his? out the gun? I'm pretty oh, sure is how it did it. Like magnificent. They, like they just I guess they had blanks shooting out the guns. Yeah, so they could Matt Reeves the with, the, with the with the with the big brain play great, right there. Great, excellent, great, cinema, excellent, great, great cinema. But uh, but the big scene, takeaway yeah. from that scene is the fact that he he beats up these guys and then the victim of this gang says, "Don't hurt me." And that's he's scary. He's scared I'd of Batman. Be terrified. He's of scared. Some guy he's scared of the Batman. Annihilated everybody that was like trying to beat me up I'd probably be scared too and that speaks volumes to where this character is at the time of this film a lot of people have said that this movie doesn't understand the Batman no, no it yes, understands it, it perfectly yeah, in he my opinion starts out as, as vengeance and then at the end of the movie should I go ahead and say it yeah go ahead when when he beats up the thug the, the Riddler thug who then says when he goes like who are you he goes I'm vengeance it, Batman, you can see it in his eyes. Robert Pattinson acting with his eyes. Yes. We already knew that he could do it. We, we knew this. We knew this. But, like, phenomenal, even more so in this. Uh, he realizes that he has inspired the Riddler, like, inadvertently. So he he basically made the Riddler in a way. So and, he, and he realizes that he has to be more, which leads to his final He starts monologue. as vengeance, and he ends as, like, the hope for Gotham. Pretty exactly. sure he says hope. He yes, does. he says, I have to be a symbol of hope for Gotham. And with that, he, he helps a person in a thing, but he, when he leads them all out with the flare through the water. Something somebody pointed out, and this is one of my favorite details that I should have put together. First, At first, the person is afraid of the Batman, but then as Batman puts that person on the stretcher, they won't let go of the Batman. That's a whole different... I mean, it's... It's so good. It's it's an excellent development. It is, in my opinion, one of the perfect movie beginning to end developments of a character that I've seen. Great arc. Really an amazing arc of realization overall and overarching there. And I just think that's perfect. I think that understands the Batman. I think they understand that what he understands what he has to do and he has to be different. And I, I love that this is discussed. I love that his reasons for what he does is discussed. He Alfred asks him about the renewal project, and he said, this is my father's mission in a different way. He thinks that he's doing what Thomas Wayne intended. He thinks he's doing it his own way. He thinks by, and that's what that opening monologue is. He thinks striking fear, but he also says, am I doing any good? I wonder, because crime is not, he's not, he's not changing anything. He's not changing anything. He's not affecting anything with that, really, other than just scaring people, which that scene when that person looks down just like a dark alleyway. Oh, my gosh. Like, could he be there? Like, I was scared. 
I was like, yes. oh, is he gonna- th- it was it was the person looking down the alleyway, and that the person with the drop head thing on was a reference to Good Times by Benny the R- Safdie brothers because he was really? wearing the same thing as Robert Pattinson. Ah, had, and he went to the store called the Good Times in the movie. By the way, can I ask what is a drop head? It's just like the dr- it was the drug they were using. They were dropping in their eyes. Oh, okay. So he was okay. wearing like the little mascot for okay. it. Okay, I did not. If you remember, I, you remember when Zoe Kravitz walked into the Penguin and she and she gave him the money and he that's gave her what back. that was. Yeah. That okay. Was yeah. The yeah. drugs that they they were dropping in. Their I got eyes. you. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if that'll be expanded upon in a later in a later uh, movie being used by someone like the Scarecrow. <gasps> mm. Mm, I don't know. I'm, I look forward to having. I hope I hope the Scarecrow is more menacing than the Bale one. I didn't have a problem with the bill. He looked so said. goofy. He had like a suit on. Ah, uh, yeah. Just okay, the, he didn't enough. even have his little fingers. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, just a dude with we, a mask. We can we can certainly talk about that at the very at the very end. But I just, in his own I, I love that setup. I love how it sits with the character. And now, Davis, what are your thoughts on the use of something in the way? I personally think it's the perfect fitting of. I think song. it was awesome. Yeah. It show well. Batman in the movie is canonically a Nirvana fan now because he you, he pauses something in the way when it's playing. Which reminds me of the Jedi Fallen Order use of the Star Wars intro music, and then you learn that it's actually in Cal's uh, headphones, which I think is hilarious. I really think the song fits perfectly. I, I'm a little wary of using a song as an intro and an outro for a movie. I don't think I've ever seen that I think done. It works great. It, it works perfectly. The song has also been boosted twelve hundred percent on Spotify since it was uh, played, and I just, I like it. And the song itself is actually pretty dark. It's about it's actually about how Kurt Cobain is trying to be happy, but there's just something in the way of it, and he can't figure out what it is. That sounds Oddly like that, fitting. Man. Oddly fitting. That's something I got from my soundtrack class was analyzing those lyrics. I uh, I put that together yet oh. again, as we do. Um, and then let's move on to a couple other things. I love the Penguin. Oh, yeah. That's I, Colin. So, Don't forget that's a, a Irish guy. I told my mom, he's on screen. I'm like, Mom, guess who that is? That's Colin Farrell. And she looks at me, she's like, no. No, it's not. And I was it like, is. I was like, it is. Make a Phenomenal. Make a department. That is the the best penguin depiction as well. Better, that is in it, it's a lot closer to the Robin Lloyd Taylor portrayal in the show Gotham. It's more of the mobster who is just has a waddle rather than who is penguin. Like I love Danny DeVito. We'll talk about that next week, certainly. But I think this portrayal is more accurate for the world. This world is a more realistic world. It is a more it it somehow is realistic and not in the fact that Gotham is well, absurd, people, but it, yeah. it's more grounded in Gotham. A lot of people are like, oh, another grounded movie, which I kind of agree with sometimes. But this was like this is what I want to see. From it's a, a grounded, grounded comic movie. book movie, not yes. a grounded movie. Grounded comic book movies. Yeah, meant. exactly. No, no, no. I know, but that thing is like the criticism is that it's just grounded in general. No, it's grounded for, but it's has those comic book elements as we discussed with Gotham's absurdity Gotham's or as I say a living breathing organism is how I describe it and Colin Farrell is excellent the prosthetics are amazing he's unrecognizable and I think he stole the show in every scene and I I like how he starts as a grunt I like how he's not the leader he's Falcone's right-hand man he is you know he is not the guy in charge he's just one he that's so that he's building to that and I love the ending with him that we'll talk about certainly at the end but Colin Farrell is excellent I really think he gives us, he get, he just steals the show, and then I also think we got to go to the Riddler, don't we, Davis? Oh yeah. Everybody, some people don't like the Riddler because it's not accurate to the comics, but like, because they're like, oh, he's so goofy and he's silly. But this is awesome. This is this is like what I want from the Riddler. Th- this, in my opinion, is what the Riddler would be in modern day. Yes. It is what it is. Who the Riddler? The Riddler. The Riddler today, and I, I will say, people are going to criticize it. I'm sure they will. I love that he inspires followers on some dark web social media site. That is modern. That is the modern day. Regardless of whether or not you want to say that's too dark, that is it was, the reality of yeah, the situation. No, it was, yeah, it, that's but what also happens. was pretty funny. He was like, 
thank you all for the support. Thank for the 500 followers. It was <laughs> yeah. He he he's, he's silly. He's inherently silly. He is. I think Matt Reeves knows that. Yeah, I think so too. And I think he's just Dana's a random performance. accountant. And again, I'm not, we're not comic book readers, so I'm not gonna get on angry about comic accuracy. I think he's perfect. I think going I play the Arkham games. Ah, yeah, there you go. And I think going in a bit of the lore behind it, uh, he like Matt Reeves had likened the Riddler to the Zodiac Killer yes, in this case. It was case. very obvious and in, about that inspiration. And I think it's perfect. And I think it's and I think it's like, and also Davis, did you catch the seven parallels? Um, you did not, Davis. No, I guess not. Let me tell you about this. So my roommate Sutton watched it, and he said it, it reminds me a lot of Seven. Even the happy moments are in a dark lighting in a dim setting, much like Seven. Seven is so blue and gray the whole time, or then bright oranges. Like the color grading is actually very similar for one and two. When they finally break into the Riddler's apartment, he just has journals upon journals of nonsense, very similar. And then of course he gives himself up. They don't catch actually. Him. He you know gives what I kind of did because the whole movie I was like, it would be cool if he went like Detective <laughs> Batman. <laughs> no, maybe like that. Bruce. That was that was an Wayne. awesome scene as well. I, I loved that misdirection there. We'll get to that as well. All in his eyes. But, All in Batman's eyes. And Paul Paul Dano is he's that guy. He is. He was in Prisoners. He was amazing. He was in There Will Be Blood. He may not be the most comic accurate, but I think the portrayal is, real, is realistic for you know the he's gonna, would if, be If Paul Dano's in a movie, you know he's going to be yelling. Exactly, and his sin, his scenes are amazing. That the scene at the at the prison, I think, yeah, is unbelievable. All, all the fact that he's able to do so much with that completely concealing mask is what makes it so amazing, yes. in my opinion. And I think it's just it's just perfect. I also really like the scene where he's on FaceTime with the DA. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that that scene was excellent. Oh, just he doesn't say it like that. That was in the trailers when he yells it like that. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I I feel like in the trailer they, they distorted his voice so we wouldn't recognize who it was. And this it sounds more like Paul Dano. I think he's excellent. I think he's. I want to see it again. I don't think he's too theatrical. But again, if he's the Riddler, isn't he supposed to be theatrical? He's supposed to be yes. funny. It makes sense. to I me. I like this better than the Jim Carrey goofy depiction. Personally. Again, and we keep hitting at these comparisons. Next week's episode is going to be crazy. Looking forward to it myself. I just all their scenes are excellent. I really, really enjoy it. Davis, what are some other things that are on your mind about this movie? Just overall, from certain scenes that stand out. Oh, wait, one more thing, if all I right, may. All right. Batman and Selena dynamic nailed yep. it. That final scene when they say goodbye and she says, "Come with me to go do some damage or whatever," and he says no because of Gotham. That is their dynamic to a T, and I love. He doesn't it. even say anything, or does he? He say he says he can't or whatever. He says like one simple thing. Yeah, but she goes like you're spoken for. But he's like, oh, also, did you notice that he walks so slowly throughout the movie so that he can catch everything on video, ah, so he can go back and watch it. The details, the details. That's, there. I mean, that's not like, like spoke, like you're not. It doesn't like tell you that, but like I feel like that's a yeah, no, that that's fair. what it is. That's what it is because he keeps going and looking. He's like looking. He's trying to record it. He's trying to catch everything. That's that's a smart. I like that uh, new edition because I don't think that's that's not a Batman thing that I've ever heard of before. Yeah. I like that. Edition. And he goes back and watches them every night. and He writes down the in the journal. Yep. Um, I what do you what did you think of the Riddler's plan overall? Some people say that I was I saw one person going like I don't get why he started killing civilians, and I was like, well, he's he's crazy. Well, so in in his first of all, yes, he is crazy. Uh, one thing I'm a, I'm a bit confused about how the the vans explode exactly when um they watched that video. Like, was that means it was linked I'm to sure them entering the yeah, passcode? So then that, that that leads to another issue I have in the movie. We'll talk about that a bit later. I'm in his monologue. He explains how Madison Square Garden is the top, so he'll be he'll be shooting the one percent while the the grunts are climbing to get there as well, because it is these safe havens. That's the point. Which I love how it's it's called Gotham Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Smart. I, I like that. I like how they they infuse the New York stuff, but not just making and it in New shot York. Shot in Chicago. It's like Chicago mixed with New York. Yeah, which is a 
good at good estimation Gotham's of what canonically Gotham is. in New Jersey. Ah, technically. Well, that's I mean that's where that's from like the '60s comics. Yeah. So I'm not there sure how. But I was fine with the plan. Is. What about you, Davis? I, I think the plan worked out well. I think uh, I really like this movie because Batman is the world's greatest detective, and it's like the first time you really see him being the world's greatest detective. Except Even he, though he's he is flawed in it because he's he's still new at it. He doesn't speak Spanish very well. Obviously, he if he had. They wouldn't have to capture the penguin, and he doesn't know what that uh that like carpet thing. Yeah. Is people are mad about, but I'm like, that's fine in my opinion. Yeah, and I think he'll he'll probably learn, but like it's better than like, oh, we're gonna recreate a bullet and find the fingerprint on it in the wall. Oh lord. Or I'm going to literally have a surveillance of everybody in Gotham at all times, and then Lucius destroys it, obviously. But yeah, yeah that's whole a whole thing. that's a whole other thing as well. Um. I, I like it. I think I think I want to see those flaws in his detective get cleared up because he's a bit reckless. And again, the cornering of the penguin, the you know, the plugging into Jim Gordon's computer that then just immediately does that. That seems a bit risky and reckless. Which I'll get to that in a moment as well. But I think it's fine. I think he is certainly a much better detective, and I like that a lot about it. I really like the the fight scenes are amazing. Some people complain there's not enough action. I think the action is perfect. Also, my favorite fight scene is one that Matt Reeves has done before. It is when he is going to try and stop Selena from killing Carmine, and the lights go out, and it's just bullets being fired, and you see like his silhouette. Yes. That that was something ripped directly from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and I'm like, this is Matt Reeves. You know what you're doing. I love that scene. I think Matt Reeves has such a great eye for stuff like that, and I think the film looks beautiful, cinematography wise, excellent. Matt Reeves has a vision, and it executed perfectly. I think the Batmobile looks great. It all looks very great. I think great. his suit also looks phenomenal. I think the suit looks I really great. like the collar on it. I, I do too. I have an issue with the cowl a bit. It's not about that it looks dumb because the reality is, I'm going to just say this right now, ladies and gentlemen, the cowl for Batman is almost always going to look bad because here's the thing. When you do Spider-Man, for example, you can hide whatever sort of like essentially cardboard around that mask. Like for example, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man mask doesn't look natural at all. How does it not fit around his face? It doesn't make any sense to me. But you can hide that. But with half face shown and half face not, you kind of have it look a little ridiculous. I think it looks just fine. I like it. My issue is the fact that when he takes it off, it is clearly like some latex rubber material. But later in the movie, he like bangs his head at 20 miles an hour on like a bridge and is totally fine. That I have Maybe an it's issue like with. a non-Newtonian liquid or he something. Take, he takes constant beatings to the head and is fine. That I kind of have an issue with unless it's some sort of material that we don't know about. Because like in, you know... It looks kind of like Michael Keaton's versus Christian Bale's That's what I'm saying. You ever heard of what a non-Antonian liquid is? No. It's like a liquid. I know that's what you're saying is not liquid. But, like, if you drop something on it, it turns into a solid. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I'm just just curious as to what exactly the parameters are behind that. But, again, we're just supposed to believe that he's fine. Which, you know, suspension disbelief, it's Batman. That's fine with me. Uh, Davis, any other big points that stick out to you? Um... I feel like we've touched on everything so far that I wanted to say besides the music is awesome. I mean, like, all my notes I have here, we've gone over. Yeah, we've, we've covered... What, we've what, covered was your, what was your major critique? All right, let's, let's get to that. For one thing, I will say, again, emphasis on everybody being learning their way with Gordon being the lieutenant, Batman being, you know, in his, in his infancy, essentially. Zoe Kravitz also said the character is becoming a femme fatale and figuring out who she is behind, beyond. So that's why she's not the full-fledged Catwoman yet. She's a bit less, I would say, confident and cocky than the normal Catwoman that we all seemingly know about. But overall, I just, I really, really enjoyed all, all the cast and portrayals. And I like how Penguin's the mid-level mobster, as I said. But on to my criticisms, Davis, some of my problems, I think, again, I said I don't have um, 
an issue with length of movie, but I think there were a couple scenes in this film that ran long and a couple lines that felt kind of cringy. There was one scene where Batwoman and Cat or Batman and Catwoman, excuse me, are talking and he says some final line and they just kind of stare at each other for a bit too long and it felt kind of awkward. There was some awkward timing there. Another scene is I think the reading of the cards out loud is a bit clunky and it kind of took me out of the experience a few times because like they're like, ah, I'll read this aloud so the audience doesn't have to read it for us, which I, I get why when you're doing a movie that's based in that so much, you kind of have to figure it out because you don't just want the audience constantly reading stuff off the screen. That makes sense to me. These are not major criticisms. The movie, ladies and gentlemen, this movie is not below a nine for me. It is not below a nine. Not even close. Good. It is nine or up for me, in my opinion. Also here. And then, some again, that... And when she, when Catwoman goes undercover in the club, there's a bit of a clunky exposition where Bruce is like, ah, that guy who did this thing. I know that guy. And it's like, okay, we know why you're saying that because we, the audience, need to know who that guy is. It just was a little clunky. I think it could have been done better. You know, those are small things that I noticed that I that I was kind of surprised that I noticed because I wasn't looking for them. But I, I kind of like, okay, that's a bit weird. I, I didn't. And, I don't think there's a moment in this movie. But the first time. I want to rewatch. It was. It's awesome on a rewatch. I know. I've heard that. The Riddler's well. funnier on a rewatch. I've heard there's a lot that's added on a rewatch, and I look forward to that. But just that that kind of thing strapped to me, where I was like, kind of like, okay, um, that's a bit. It was a bit clunky dialogue, in my opinion. And going on to a couple other things, Davis. I know you you said you didn't even have a problem with that. I think the film focuses on Batman, which is not a bad thing, but it comes at the expense of its supporting character, specifically with the character of Jim Gordon. I feel. I feel that. While Jeffrey Wright is great, the character feels very thin. He doesn't feel like he has much to do. I know that it's past the start of their relationship, so they're, you know, they're buddy-buddy and whatnot. But I think more could have been done. Instead, he feels like a means to an end, and like he's not really there other than just to get Batman to the crime scenes. There are certain scenes like where the captain confronts him. And additionally, when um when Batman is at the police station, they, you know, they have him there, and nothing comes of those scenes. And I'm kind of annoyed by that. It goes from Batman being at the police station caught. You know, and red-handed. Gordon gets him out, and Gordon gets him out. But then, then he works hand in hand with the police later, and nobody seems to do anything about it. I, w- I think there should have been some sort of at least a two-minute scene. You know what I mean? Where it just explains that. Probably, where the I feel like that might there's probably something that. there. I, I, I think, I think there, there need to be a bit more, in my opinion, that. And then again with Gordon, I feel like he has a lot less to do than in your normal movie, in my opinion. Just a lot less in terms of. I feel like you could say in Batman Begins, Gordon didn't have much to do either. Besides him being like, oh, I need me one of those in reference to the Tumblr. Fair, fair, fair. That's that, again. I'm, I'm trying not to make. I'm just talking about this movie itself. Well, I'm not trying I'm, to make comparisons. I, I am. So. I'm just saying. I think the character felt a little thin. I think Alfred at times did, except later on he definitely gets more involved. And I think Pattinson's acting as Bruce Wayne was a little flat at times. I think it was meant to be like that. I think it was. I just don't know if I necessarily liked that it was that flat. Like specifically when he's with Alfred, he like kind of has one expression the whole time, and he's got like, oh, geez, he's emo. I get that. I get okay, that. Okay, my biggest criticism was the first time I watched it after they caught the Riddler, like that act, like right after they caught him, and then like everything blows up. It felt long, but on a rewatch, I I much more enjoyed it. Interesting. I feel like I was like, this movie needs this. Interesting. This yeah. Okay. I, I like I like that as well. Um, that's fair. I I, I re- again I really do look forward to rewatching. I think a lot of my criticism may wash away upon a rewatch rather than come to the surface. And lastly, Davis, if I may say one more thing, you may about, about this. And the ending, I I think it it ends four or five times. Like there's way too many like endings that feel like an ending within it. I also yeah think, when when it when it pans to the Riddler the coffee, I think it could have ended right there. Yeah, and I wouldn't been mad, but and I'm glad it kept going. Exactly, and I think I think it certainly, I think 
the realization that he has to save the people and then going to cut the cord is a bit too overdramatic. Mm. I think him going on and going to cut like as if he's going to die and then he just gets up in two seconds is like, I think he could have easily just jumped and sliced it as he went and then fallen down and gotten up rather than going on, grabbing it, getting electrocuted and whatnot, and then he's up in two seconds. Okay, what if he missed it when he just jumped and dived it? Because it was moving around. Yeah, but he doesn't have to miss it. I don't know. Like, Come on. Also, like the fact that he doesn't have battering, but he uses his uh, chest plate. That's, that's that him, is that's his me. battering. Well, yeah, that's, that, that's his only one, though. I like yeah. that a lot. I don't know. I felt it, there were too many of those kind of endings. I thought the Selena and Bruce drive away was a bit cheesy, a bit. But again, I get it. I think it was a bit a bit cheesy, but I, I like it. I like their I like the characters overall. Again, those are very thinly veiled criticisms. Yeah, it's still a nine, nine and a half. Yeah, no, they, like this is not going to bring this ranking down significantly. Upon a rewatch, maybe it will change. That's what I'm looking forward to on rewatching it at some point. It'll be hitting HBO Max for 45 days after its release. That's too long. I have to go in theaters again. Okay, there you go, Davis. You you go right ahead and do that. I wish I wish you luck. I will. That'll be that'll be April 19th. I want to say is 45 days. Um, or too less. long. Maybe April 19th. I don't know. Um, but again, I'm not one to complain about the film. I like the film. I just felt that it ended like there were too many of those like endings, endings, and I get that it was symbolic and I get what it was supposed to represent. It just felt a little clunky and I felt that it could have been done in a better way than, you know, thinking he's going to die. Then he just wakes up and he leads the people away. I like the leading people away. I like the flair. I like how muddy his suit is at the end where he's like, you know, he's been clearly doing work Mm -hmm. and I like the destruction. I like how... Gotham, Gotham gets wrecked. Yes. Absolutely demolished. I love it. I think that that's that's something that the comics it the stakes in the comics seem to match with that. The stakes in the in the cartoon movies match with that. I'm glad a live action movie matched with that as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it wasn't it wasn't a quick save. He didn't save the day. The Riddler won, but Batman learned what to do and they got the Riddler. The question is though, why does the Riddler give himself up, Davis? Why does any maniac give himself up? Fair point, but he, I mean, he wanted to. Get, I mean, if it's if it's like, uh, like in seven, we know yes. why he gives himself up. That's because he still has one more one more uh, chest. He piece said to he play. wanted to watch it from the jail. Oh, yeah, he was like, uh, so I could watch it here with okay. you because yeah, he okay. needed to get with Batman. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. Oh, and one one other thing, I feel the lack of consequences for Gordon sending that on, um, sending all those emails out was. I wish there was a bit more about that. I just wish things like that there felt like there should be consequences, and there weren't, and that kind of that kind of bothered me. Like it fe- kind of felt like it was left untied. You know what I mean? I also uh, just yeah, I feel like we'll probably see those in like deleted scenes or something. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in seeing, uh, because the marketing for this movie was phenomenal, I think if you go to www.rataalada.com, you can get all of the files that the Riddler. And it's also a hint at the next movie, by the way. Two Face, is that is that who it is? I mean, that's that's certainly one of them. Cause like a date that it like there was one thing I don't know if it was on the, this website, but it like it gave the dates or gave the issue of the first time that each of these characters showed up, and then one of them is the first issue that Maroney and Two Face showed up in the comics. Ah, okay, interesting. So I, I'm sure it's probably going to be Two-Face. Probably I mean, like, and we've also got that final scene at the end, Davis, the Joker. What are your thoughts on this? Barry Keegan uh, playing seemingly cool. that character. Uh, Matt Reeves said it's like a, a young Joker. He's a serial killer. He he's really, not yet his full yeah, character. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't become the Joker yet. I think it'll be cool. He has like a scar that makes him smile the whole time. Or disorder. Oh, yeah, no, it's a disorder that has his face stuck permanently smiling. Which I, I, That's a new take. I like Barry Keegan. I've heard people say, some people say Keoghan. Oh. But is it? I it's K E O G H A N. I feel like it's Keegan. 
I don't know. I'll say I'll, I'll we'll, we'll look we'll look it up another time and then and then get back to you on that one. He's Irish though. Well, Kyogen sounds right. Oh, I think it is. I think it is Kyogen. Ah, okay, Barry Kyogen. We apologize for messing up that name. What do you think about that final scene, Davis? Some people thought it was unnecessary. What were your thoughts on that? Kyogen. Kyogen. All right, there you go. Thank which, you, Davis. Which final scene? Uh, with Joker, or seemingly the Joker, Barry Kyogen and the Riddler. Setting up stuff. I think I, I was fine. Yeah, I, some people dislike that. And overall, Davis, I just want to address one criticism I saw. People think the message of this movie is that Batman fighting crime is bad, when in reality, I don't think that's that's not the issue. The issue is the fact that Batman is learning that he needs to fight crime a different way. Would you agree with that, 100%? Yeah, he needs to be the hope, not the vengeance. He needs to that's be the a whole symbol. point of the movie. Also, I really like... Um, okay, this is actually another question. I saw this pointed out. So, do you think the Batman name was coined by the Riddler and that Batman was actually calling himself Vengeance? Because everybody else calls him Mr. Vengeance and stuff like that. Do you think they're just taunting him? I The Penguin was definitely taunting yeah, him. Yeah, I oh, that, hey, well, Mr. Vengeance, then he starts shooting. I thought that was hilarious. But that's how I like Colin Farrell. I feel like I feel like that was just like the name that people gave him, the Batman. He also had a bat on his chest. True, true, true. So true, true. I feel like it's and and awkward. Alfred does say this this maniac's writing to the Batman, as in not saying he called you the Batman. They 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 act like that. But I really like the use of vengeance because it shows his reputation. This is something that movies have failed to do so many times before. This movie makes sure his reputation is on full display, and I think that's one of Matt Reeves' best talents in this movie is getting that reputation. Wouldn't you agree with that, Davis? Yes. And now, Davis, are there any other big thoughts you want to talk about before we move on to where the movie goes from here? No. All right. So let's talk about it a bit. There's a couple... Um... Oh, wait. Before we get there, Davis, it's... Sorry. I got, I got my wires crossed. It's time to address some of these complaints that, these, that people have had about this movie. Davis, I'm just going to read them out. Let's save our reactions till I read the full quote on all what right, happened. All right. No so the first, the first is... A lot of fans are upset about a line from Selena Kyle in this film. It's during one oh, of the yeah. many excellent scenes of her and Batman discussing what they should do. She goes after Bruce Wayne and other elites in Gotham and then she wants to take down and calls them white privileged people slash men. A lot of people are upset about this line, calling it unnecessary, calling it wokeism. And that the and again, we're not going to get into the super political areas of it because I that's, might. Not, that's not what okay, well you, you certainly can, but I'm just saying I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this strictly from the movie perspective. All I have to say is this. Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of your thoughts on that line, on your thoughts politically on all of this, on wokeism as it's called or whatever, whatever you want to say, is it really so unreasonable that an African-American woman in the year 2021 would not say that? White privilege is a part of our vernacular in the modern day. It is not a forced line of dialogue from the 1990s. This is, like, it is a part of common vernacular. So is it really so unreasonable that Selena Kyle, a African-American woman who is... I mean, certainly on stuck in the underbelly of Gotham to not say that line. I think it's totally reasonable for her to say that. I think it totally makes sense for her character, and I think it makes sense for the script. I do not think it's an unnecessary line because one, it was not constantly re-included. You know, it's not it's not a point of the movie, right? Because the the Riddler's wrong, and you know, the the point of the movie is strictly about you know the elites and about the Riddler being a bit of a you know. He's not exactly wrong, Davis. He's exposing bad people. He's just doing it the wrong way, you know? That's kind of the whole issue of this character, right? When you say, and that's what adds so much to the movie, is he is going after bad people. He's doing it in the horrifically wrong way, and that's what makes him wrong. But he is his mission, in quotes, is not so terrible, I say in quotes, because he's going after... But then the end, of course, he blows everything up, and it's totally bad, because that's what he does, right? That's, that's why he's a psycho, and that's why he's wrong, and that's why he's the murderer. But... 
that's the issue here, and that's why she said that because she says, "Is it really so bad to go after these bad people?" I have a statistic, a real life statistic for you, if you would like to, Davis. Of the 614 billionaires in America, only seven of them are black. Of the 2,735 billionaires in the world, only 15 of them are black. Which adds to the point, is it so unreasonable for an African-American yes. woman in this time to say that? No, By it is not. By saying the rich white elite, that's, that's a true fact. You're not, it's not wokeism, it's, it's a fact in America. And sure, she used the term white privilege, but again, it's part of our vernacular. She said white privilege. Ah, yes. She did say white privilege, which is also real. True. Just uh, throw that one out like there. It's, it's, and it's part of the vernacular right now. It is. And the idea that a character would not say that is it's not it makes sense to me she, I didn't think I was like oh the reason that stuck out me is because it it's part of our vernacular I hear it in other discussions it didn't say I was like that's a stupid line no I'm like makes total sense for her character to say that 100% so that's one thing any other thoughts Davis I, I appreciate you getting that stat out it again adds to the point that it's a it's, reasonable line it's also a real thing it's so a, it, grow up look, learn to look at the real world stop living in, in your little echo chamber they, and I I, <laughs> I, ex- I, ex- I expect 1% is a real thing and they are predominantly white more than predominantly white, as I just proved with that stat. And again, it's not such an uh, it's not wokeism. It's just as Davis says, and it's again not an unreasonable thing to say. I'm going to say this again. It's not unreasonable. It's not. It makes sense for that character, 100, percent in my opinion. Again, it only stuck out to me because it's a term that we talk about, that we hear about in the news and so on and so forth. But other than that, people are mad about it. Yeah, and then this—that's why Ben Shapiro hated. It. No, actually, he said he was fine with that. Oh, he did? He actually... Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Surprising. He actually said, I don't care about that. There is some wokeism, but who cares? Just basic Hollywood. But he talked about other things. That's a whole... We don't have to talk about that because that's not I might have to go right watch now. that. I, I oh, cannot Lord. stand him. Fair, but you know what? I might have to go watch Fair it. enough. And then the other complaint, this I actually saw from other people, from many, is the idea that... And I cannot believe that I'm reading this aloud on the podcast. I cannot believe it. That there were only two morally good characters in the film that were white, and then the other morally good characters, which he, which were listed, the mayoral candidate, Jim Gordon, and Catwoman, were all not white, and that took a few points off for some people because then all the other bad guys were white people. Grow up, Jesus Christ! Grow <laughs> up, seriously, Davis. I don't even know where to begin with this. This is just a laughable criticism. The cast is I mean, diverse. I mean, just. Just say a slur at that point, why don't you? Oh my God! Just say you hate people of color if you're gonna say stuff like that, people. Come on! It's like it's not. It's Just not, stop beating around the bush. Stop with the dog whistles. Just go ahead and say it. It's not like in this movie the. It's not like Jim Gordon and them are put on a pedestal and whatever. Like they're just happen to be characters that happen to be. And also, Catwoman is not a good character, really. I mean, she's dealing drugs, possibly dealing drugs. But she says we don't know. She says you know nothing about that, and then it's never expanded upon further. But she's possibly doing that, you know. She's not exactly a totally good character. She's she's what we would call a chaotic good, essentially. Batman is is an antihero. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Batman is nearly that as well. But like, what? And also, one, it's not as if the ratio is ten to one. It's two to three. You know what I mean? It's. And also, Alfred is probably one of he and the mayor and Gordon are probably. But I mean, Batman. We don't. I mean, but and you don't. Catwoman. You know, I'm sure the same people that said that are like, you know what, the Riddler kind of has a point. <laughs> I, I'm not even like, I'm sure they might actually I hope that. I hope you're wrong. But yeah, this was just, I saw this, uh, I'm going to credit Josie, friend of the show, Josie, for sending this my way because I wanted to address it because I just, I, it was laughable to me that this was a criticism in my opinion because I just don't see that. You know what? Now look, we talked about it. Forced diversity in movies for PR stunts and whatnot is a thing. We've discussed it with some movies before in the past, I think, but- 
for for the, for the point of making the white characters morally evil is what? I'm glad racist people don't like it. I'm glad movies aren't catering to racist people. How about that? A fair point, Davis. A fair point. A fair point indeed. I I that yeah. I mean, if David Duke comes out and supports this movie, then I might have to rethink it, me liking it <laughs> oh or something. Gosh. Stop it. Stop it. But yeah, I just wanted to share that criticism because if you if they're on the other side of you, you know you're probably I, right. I, I really couldn't believe that that is a criticism. I mean, what? so is the idea that – I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, these, these people were cast who they were because they were good at their roles. Like the reason that the, the DA is a bad guy is because Peter, Peter Sarsgaard's a great actor. And he, play, he by the way, he plays roles like that all the time. You know, those morally corrupt characters. That's what he does. That's one of his best portrayals in many, many movies. He did that in uh, the, in Redline, I think, is uh, one of the movies. No, it's not called Redline. It's called something else with Jodie Foster. But, like, that's his role, right? That's what he's really good at. So the idea that it's suddenly... He's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that. that's right. Like, I just, I, I could not believe it when I saw this because I just don't, I personally do not think that's a valid criticism at all for this movie. No, I just don't think it is. But anyway, Davis, that's addressing some key criticisms. Do you want to move on to where this movie goes next? Or do you want some else? Do you want to say anything else? Uh, you, I think I've got everything. Okay, I, just, I, I, I know you feel very strongly about this as well, so I want to make sure you had uh, your, you know, you could stay on your soapbox for a second. I think, I think I'm good. Like, all right, awesome. So let's move on to where this movie goes from here, Davis. Two things, DC Comics has officially announced the Penguin spinoff series will be going directly to HBO Max. Matt Reeves will be executive producer with Lauren LaFranc serving as writer. What are your Davis, or uh, what are your Davis, uh, serving as writer and, sh- and showrunner. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I may have messed that up. Matt Reeves serving as executive producer and Lauren LaFranc serving as writer and showrunner. Davis, what are your thoughts on a Penguin miniseries? I think it'd be cool. I'm not super keen on having a ton of miniseries, but I think it'd be sure. cool if we get to learn more about the rest of Gotham. And, and it was hinted at uh, extensively with Catwoman's final monologue saying how people would make a grab for power during this. It might get worse, and then it shows the Penguin. I'm excited to see him take over because Mob Boss Penguin's a scary dude because he wields power with absolute authority and just insanity because he's crazy. And Lauren LaFranc has worked as a writer on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also worked on the show Chuck, two very popular shows, actually. Um, so that's 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 pretty cool. And additionally... If Matt Reeves is on any... Uh, he's I executive trust producer. Yeah, I trust and him. He also revealed there were rumors there were going to be a GCPD spinoff after this, yeah, after this happening. movie. No, it's become something else. It's, it's become Arkham. It's developed into an Arkham Asylum TV series. The rumor title is The World of Arkham Asylum. He says, quote, it's like a horror movie. That is Matt Reeves. A haunted house that is Arkham. I would love this. Arkham is excellent. The Because, I mean, this allows you to introduce the rogues. Because I believe... Zaz, this, Calendar Man. I believe this film series, if it extends to a trilogy, is building up to a final, you know... I Condiment think, Man? Mr. Condiment? No. I think it's building up to a final, all the rogues face him down, and he's got to gotta go. And I think I think we may, get, we may get a Robin to introduce him like that. I look forward to it. Davis, what are your hopes for this series in the future? What are you looking Robert forward Pattinson to? Robert Pattinson said he would want a Robin, but he'd have to be like a 14-year-old. He'd have to be like a realistic Robin, and not like a, oh, my name's actually Robin. You know, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. You know, Christian Bale said he wouldn't do the movies if there was a Robin, so that's why they did that. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to stay far away from the George Clooney movies. Ching. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. I, I would like to see Two Face, like a cool version of Two Face, but I think the next movie he should be like good, like um, in The Dark Knight, how he's like he's so cool, he's so good, and then he becomes Two Face. Yeah. I I would like personally. 
Stay away from Two Face for a moment. I'd like a montage at the start to introduce like, a lot of the rogues. Like how in this, it's him fighting crime to set the stage. How about him? You know, he's changed. I don't even know if he's like montage. I don't know. I think just something would be like that. cool. I think they could just hint at it. Like yeah, I think tell. so. I think so. I would like to see Mister Freeze somehow. Mister Mister Freeze has a really good story that I feel like Matt Reeves could do. Well. And I want it to be because Mister Freeze isn't really even bad. Fully bad. He's just trying to save his wife. And and he's he's made crazed by what happened yeah. to him as well. The, the, you know, like in the Arkham the, games, the moral ambiguity of the character. Like in Arkham is Knight, that's probably the best depiction of Mr. Freeze yeah. for me. I, I would certainly like to see that, that version game? done again. I have not, unfortunately. I'd like to see that version done again. Hell. I really would like to see again the Penguin take uh, take control. I'd like to see maybe a Court of Owls storyline. I, I I mean, Court of Owls would be cool, but we just had a movie about, we did about the, the elite. Okay, true. Maybe not. Maybe not that. Then uh, Robert Pattinson wants a Court of Owls though. I think they're going to stay away from Ra's Al Ghul. I think that's Good. too it's too sci-fi perhaps. But I don't know how ground. That thing is, how do you do Clayface if it's so grounded? I, I wonder. Can, I wonder where the line is. You can do. I mean, like you can do those, but like I feel like like immortality. No, Razzle, yeah. and they already did in the Batman. I think they're going to stay away from that one as well. I really do. Um, in that case, what do you? Who do you want to play some of those characters? That you I named? think Nightwing would be cool to see, but that might have to be down the road if he's getting Robin. But yeah. I've seen people say Dylan O'Brien is Nightwing. Ooh, that's that's a good cast. That'd be cool. I, I think I think that'd be good. I'm sure. Or Logan think of, Lerman is that his name? Chalamet is an easy choice. Yeah. He's. I mean, he's again. I mean, bulk up. Rob Pattinson was skinny. Like really bulk up. All right, fair. Because Night Nightwing is huge. That's right. Nightwing's like, Nightwing's buff. That's true. That's good, good, yeah. And they did he mention. I think they did mention. Uh, oh, I can't even remember where, where Nightwing goes. Bloods, whatever. Bl- uh, Bloodhaven. That's yeah. where Catwoman is going. Yeah. yeah. So they mentioned. I, was, I like they mentioned that. It's a it's a town adjacent to Gotham. Ah, yeah, it is on that in that crazy area. Uh, um, who else would I like to see? Would I you mean, l- Batman would be kind of cool. Yeah, but. You'd have to set up Barbara Gordon. The problem is, is that this. I don't think we need a Batman because we're getting in the DC. The multi, EU. the the DC extended universe could have been so great if they just waited and realized that. I mean, this is such a great starting. point. I don't in want my this opinion. to be in the DCEU. I think it could be good. If they I don't. Could. I don't want it to. Fair at all. Fair. Fair enough. Fair I enough. do not want Joaquin Phoenix to show up in this as the Joker. Don't want that. Nothing. None of that. Matt Reeves also said it wasn't going to happen. So I just want. Okay. How about how about this? He doesn't show up, but eventually, when we do a Crisis on Infinite Earths one, we get Robert Pattinson's Batman. Mm, I wouldn't mind a little cameo, but I don't want him to be fair brought enough. into the DC. Fair enough, fair enough. Unless they can I need to be right. standalone. Maybe they can make a hint fair. at Superman or fair. something, but I do not want yeah. Superman to show up. Don't. Yeah, I, that's this fair. Is ba- the Batman, not Batman versus Superman. That's right. I'm trying to think of other other members of his rogues guy that I'd like to see. Uh, I really, I really think. Here's how I think. I think the next movie is going to begin with him defeating Penguin, and they're going to learn of a, a, a greater plot. You know what I mean? Here's how, here's how I think it's going to go, Davis. Are you are you listening? Yes. So I think we're going to open with the Penguin, and Batman would have defeated the Penguin in like the first 20, 25 minutes or whatever. Then the Riddler is going to have escaped. Bane? Oh, that'd be awesome. Like a like a huge Bane. Yeah, massive Poison Bane. Ivy? Half-Thor Bjornsson Bane. I don't know how they do Poison Ivy in this world. Again, I don't know Scarecrow. how grounded it's going to be. Scarecrow, I think, would be awesome. A new, a new version of Scarecrow would be great. She'd be like, maybe she poisons people. I don't True. know. True. So, Davis, hmm. hear me out. Penguin. Opens the movie because that's how the mini the miniseries is going to lead into that, and then Penguin is going to be Black defeated. Mask shows up. No, no, no. Penguin's going to be defeated. Then the Riddler is going to escape prison. They're like, oh, we're doing this again or whatever. So then, Batman the Batman eventually stops the Riddler again, but he learns that something someone is doing everything behind the scenes. We learn that the Joker is orchestrating essentially a uh, amalgamation of rogues to take out the Batman. And the second film ends on a cliffhanger, one where Batman has been defeated. So then the mm-hmm. final movie ends with him having to go, you know all out against this group of rogues to finally defeat them all at once. Kind of because the third movie is always climactic like that. But I think it'll be something like that. I would like to see Hush. 
Ooh, yeah. Because Batman's starting to get more more notoriety. So someone like impersonates him, and then he's also going around killing people. Yeah, Zaz would be cool, maybe Z- like yeah. a little Hugo Strange, Zaz. whatever. Yeah, Deadshot, maybe. Eh, des- uh, too Death much Suicide stroke. Squad stuff. Hey man, Jeffrey D. Morgan. No, not Jeffrey D. Morgan. Um, what's his name? Uh, J- uh, Joe Manganiello. Mangel- yes, yeah. not Jeffrey Morgan. Clayface. Um, I think Clayface would be cool. I think I think Deathstroke would be awesome. I think I think that'd be great. I think yeah, because we know KG he's only been traded. <laughs> oh lord, I don't know about that one. But yeah, what what are your big hopes for the next one, Davis? Like nail nail down like specifically what you would like to see in the sequel. Um. Uh. I, I don't really know. I trust Matt Reeves. I don't, I don't really – I'm fine with wherever it's going. Catwoman comes back. Maybe – I would like Hush. That'd be cool. I like Hush. The Red Hood. Oh, that'd be excellent. But yeah, I feel like you have to set that up later on. Yeah, again, that's something that has to be done in a multiverse-type setting. Azrael. I'd like to see Azrael. Ooh, that'd He's be interesting. Cool, cool guy. But, yeah, what what a first movie, Davis. Wouldn't you Phenomenal. agree? Phenomenal. Absolutely. It feels ripped right out of the pages of a comic book. It's the most unique comic movie we've seen. There's nothing I can think that's like it at all. If you're looking for a comic movie, comic book movie, this is the movie for you, I would say. Uh, really. And, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got to say. Davis, any final thoughts before we head out of here? Uh, I think I've said everything I need to. But what a movie. I look forward to seeing it again. And, by the way, I forgot to shout out Michael, Gia- Michael Giacchino, the Batman thing. Did you listen to that one I sent you? No, I haven't yet because I hadn't seen the movie yet. I'm going to go back and listen it's to it awesome. later, and we'll talk about it next week, actually. Because that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we'll be doing all live-action Batman solo movies. I also think we'll discuss Batman vs. Superman because it's kind of a dual movie where it's almost solo. We'll be talking about all this, and we'll be ranking them from best to worst, or worst to best, more accurately, Includes Adam West, includes Keaton, includes Kilmer, includes Clooney. Or it is including Adam West? Yeah, for, okay. for, a, brief, for a brief time. And includes uh, Christian Bale as well. I look forward to that one. All the Batman movies. And including, of course, Robert Pattinson. Where does his portrayal stand within the grand scheme? And also, a Batman movie versus a good movie. How how the if, if those are the same, if a good Batman movie doesn't make necessarily a good movie movie. Davis, you put up your hand for a second. I was just, I was numer- I was giving my number. Ah, you're not. Ah, see, well, we'll 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 save that uh for next week. But first, of course, before we go, we've got our trivia question, Davis. And here's the question: In what movie does Harrison Ford say, "I didn't kill my wife"? To which uh, Tommy Lee Jones replies, "I don't, I don't care. care." We will not get I the answer now. But if you listen to this episode and know the answer, go ahead and DM us on Instagram. Text either myself or Davis. Most of our f- listeners have our numbers, of course. And let us know if you know the answer to that one. My mother knows the answer. I know for a fact she does. I've seen Davis and I both know times. the answer. It's one of our favorites. It's going to be a fun one to discuss next week. But again, we'll be back next week to discuss the Batman films, all of them. But we thank you for joining us on this episode of Through the Lens where we discuss the Batman and everything about it. Robert Pattinson portrayal, the cast, Matt Reeves' direction, the music, everything about what makes this movie a true comic movie. We thank you for listening to us and be sure to follow – you can follow us on Through the Lens Weagle on Instagram. That's through underscore the underscore lens underscore Weagle. For all updates about the podcast, you can also follow Weagle at Weagle underscore AU on Instagram for all updates about Weagle 91.1 FM activities, such as concerts on campus and other activities going on around Auburn University. But again, we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week.